Good afternoon and welcome finally to the Govstream um, and welcome this afternoon to Simon Roberts. Give me my fucking money! You don't that's get paid my, yeah. for this. You don't get paid for this show. No, that's my film quote for today. Okay. Oh, oh, right. I see. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Welcome everybody to finally, the immaculately yeah. smooth technical beginning of this. Well, I actually this, did this, this as a favor to Jolly Jack, so people would switch over to his um, his live stream. Instead, Creepy Puppet Podcast. Everyone yeah. is talking about it. One o five p.m. It's already five minutes in, uh, and he's uh, chatting away with Liam there, our friend on Twitter. People about... are mostly talking about the fact mm. that they can't find it. He's not very good at publicizing it. It's got that outre recherche niche appeal that Jolly Jack specializes in. I mean, I think the best things are things that nobody knows about, like my career, for example. Now, now if now look, if someone says. I'm neither a fan of the music or cricket updates, but I keep those opinions what? to myself out of respect. You're, you're not keeping those opinions to yourself, are I you? I like the, the subtle way you're whinging that you've done about them. them. Yeah. Thank you, Mark Jennings, for your opinion. We're going to uh, take it under advisement, as they say in America, and uh, act instantly upon your recommendations. And the amount of people complaining Can we block in him? the chat just because yeah. we had some audio difficulties. I mean, people I mean, sit, come on. sit there for 20 minutes waiting for a bloody movie to start or the theatre show to start. Exactly. They? they can't wait five minutes for you know, get, a, a low-budget live stream to start. Exactly. Get on the internet somewhere, open up a new tab, you know, find some porn, masturbate, you know, buy something off Amazon. You know, it's all there for you, folks. I mean, this is modernity. Come on, embrace it. You know, the fact that uh, mistakes occasionally happen. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and um, those people who are criticising the theme music can just piss off. Yeah, I mean, when are we when are we going to get the film back? I mean, can we can we risk can we risk putting the film? Maybe they won't notice if we do the film again. I really like the film that you did. I like the film too. Look, maybe maybe we can do it on do this show on Twitter instead. Yeah, so. maybe if we maybe if we yeah exactly yeah I mean it's all it's all uh, it's all open now on Twitter, isn't it? Everybody uh, can say exactly what they want. No, they can't. No, no, they can't. They can't. But no. Well, that'll be a good test for Twitter. If we do live streams on Twitter, will they censor that intro? What are you What are you seeing on Twitter at the minute? Are you seeing a massive influx of followers, such as me this week? I've had all all of like the seven new followers. I, I haven't seen new followers, and I don't know why mm. you were saying you'd seen new followers because your your follower count seems to be pretty much the same as it was months ago. Yeah, exactly. Pretty mediocre. I mean, I I have I'm about two thousand something now, and I've I've had more people join, and I don't know where they've come <coughs> from, but it's very nice, and I appreciate all of them, and I love them all as my friends, my friends that I don't know, which is like most of my friends, really. I don't know most of my friends <coughs> in any sense at all, other than the entirely superficial. But um, I think yeah, I've I've definitely seen it on my account. A few other people have seen it, but you your accounts remain static. Are you still being you're being suppressed, aren't you, because of your new book? The Face Mask Cult, available from uh, all good massive online retailers and no bookshops whatsoever. Yeah, all all massive online retailers, uh, namely Amazon. That's that's yeah. the only place you can get it, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, because I'm now on this Nielsen system, I, I had a sort of Nielsen, a sort of an order come through. It wasn't really, a pro it wasn't like an email saying you have an order. Can you send your? It was like I had to sort of follow a trail. Yeah. To a independent distributor who had put in an order somehow, even though it's not really sort of down as an order. So I can't fulfill it anyway because I don't print the books myself. It's all on Amazon, yes. unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so if you want to buy, yeah. got to go to Amazon. Sorry. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's it. I mean, at least Jeff Bezos isn't suppressing you. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he's got better things to do. Uh, but uh, it's nice that you're at least allowed to breathe in the uh, in the environs of Amazon. A lot of people are very sniffy about Amazon these days. I mean, I just don't see the point of trying to avoid it. You know, just spend your money on Amazon. It's cheap and it's um, it's fast. And, um, you know, 
Oh, what can we do? You should, you should avoid Amazon, but for books, it's quite hard. I will at some stage. Mm. It's tricky. Make the book available on other other outlets. Yeah, uh, as well. A visual version moment, of the book. No, well, I mean, there's other there's other book places that sell books and ebooks, at least ebooks. Hmm. So I'll I'll be doing that as well. Yeah. Well, there you are. And how are sales going? Are you uh, being inundated with a flood of demands? Well, I didn't get the demands. Amazon handled okay. it all. Fair enough. Uh, from you what just I can see, well, let's just say sales are better than my last book. Excellent. You're basking not, in the royalties. Which is not hard. Fair enough. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of careers take time to, you know, to emerge, you know. I mean, you're, maybe you're one of those artists who is completely ignored and despised during his lifetime and then becomes incredibly famous after he dies of probably a disease like tuberculosis, like George Orwell or something, and then suddenly you're a massive, massive success. I've certainly got the first part of that down pretty well. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're shaping up nicely. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so I was going to yeah, talking of audio difficulties. I mean, the the, mm. the big the big Loza Fox. I mean, he's a big guy. Even his podcast had audio difficulties. That's why I wasn't on last week because by the time yeah. by the time they fixed the audio difficulties, um, I had to go and be somewhere else. So I couldn't be on it. But our friend Ben Pyle was on it. So if you want to have a listen to that, you've got to. That's quite hard to find. You've got to find this app called Call In. Uh, which you can get on app stores, or you can, I think you can actually go to the web. To, there is a website you can go to it, and you've got to search around for Loza Fox's show. Yeah, and I know you're getting jealous about it, Simon, but I think he's only got like 16 followers. No, I'm, not, on I'm, not thing, so. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. I will. I will. Uh, I will be coating him later on today and uh, and explaining my grievances to him. Uh, I'm surprised actually. Nobody still nobody's got the quote from the film. But, oh yeah, uh, the I've, film quote. What was the quote? Yeah, no. Somebody's put lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. No, it's not. It's not actually. And it's uh, nobody. Even London Raider doesn't seem to have got it. Maybe it's because it's it's like it happens so quickly. Um, but um, do, do it again. Yeah, the quote is, I'll say it in there, best Michael Caine, give me my fucking money. And uh, if you don't um, get it from that, I mean, I'm sorry, you're, you're hopeless. Yeah. yeah, even London Raider hasn't got it. That's surprising. Sorry. He's usually very quick Googling the, uh, the, uh, the lines that I put in. Uh, getting the title Bachelors are usually pretty good at getting, at getting film quotes because they spend That's right. Time yeah, their fingers films. are nimble, nimbly developed from uh, hours no. spent on the internet. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. they have a lot of time to watch movies. Oh, there is that, yeah. And eat juicy steaks uh, and, and parade them on uh, on Twitter for us. So you are going down to mm. London today, I understand, yeah. straight away after the show? Yeah, absolutely. It's down at uh, This Is James's Dellingpod Live with James interviewing Majid Nawaz. Oh, Henry Long's got it. It's Goodfellas. Yes, it's Goodfellas. It's Robert De Niro with uh, Maury's head in, an arm, in a headlock and uh, saying, give me my fucking money. Um, yeah, it's down at the Emmanuel Centre in London, just past uh, Westminster Abbey, around the corner in Victoria. And there's also going to be a climate panel with uh, Lois Perry's Car 26 outfit. And Loz is going to be there as a panellist. I don't know what he has to say about climate, but it will keep everybody in the hall wrapped, I am sure. And I and will get my money if, off him when he's If finished. they ask for questions, don't you dare mention the money. I will put my hand up and say, you don't, um, you, in the light, Lawrence, of the net zero target uh, postulated by Boris Johnson for uh, achievement by uh, 2050, um, would you consider paying me my money back? How's you that? don't care I mean, about the money, you just want the attention. I think I do. I just, I'm just a complete attention whore at this stage. I, I just, I just, my, my life is a pathetic, shriveled husk of, of what it once was. And it never was what offer, it once you'll was. You'll offer to buy him a drink again afterwards, won't you? Just so you can sort of have another go at him later on. I'll see. I'll see. You know, I'm going to try and blag my way in because I haven't actually bought a ticket. This is going to be the interesting part. I'm just going to go down there and chance it completely. 
Right. I, I'll, I'll text James to make sure you're not allowed. Yeah. Anything. Excellent. That'll be really helpful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, yes. yeah, everybody get down there if you uh, haven't uh, already uh, got a ticket already, although they are quite pricey. They're about £27.50 or something at this moment. Ooh, and, uh, you know, that's, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm just saying. Um, anyway, what have we got to talk about today in the world of news, the new news? The, the Emanuel Centre, it's not cheap to hire. It's no, it's big. not expensive either. I remember because when I was going to do this stuff for the Free Speech Union, I was looking into, in fact, I looked into the Emanuel Centre. So I could probably tell you how much they were charging back then. Really? It's a big place because it's where the um, the spectator do a lot of their debates, isn't it? You you recognise yeah. it if you see those videos online. Yeah. Very nice. Very proper yeah. looking. Mm, mm, I'm sure Andrew Neil has graced that stage many a time. Mm. Okay, so I have not really had time to prepare my Very usual good. notes for this week. Excellent. So I'm going to blag it a bit more. Perhaps I'll just look through my Twitter or Gab. Yeah. timeline and see what i've been uh, talking about this week but i suppose the big thing we should talk mm, about mm. people will want us to talk about is mm. uh mr e musk taking over or right. apparently going to take over mm. twitter well i hear that they're saying because a friend asked me yesterday he said well is it has he actually taken over and i looked up the latest sort of stuff and it said well there's been an agreement made for him to buy the company has he actually bought no, it no he hasn't actually bought it yes and yeah. I, someone was saying something about shares still being traded which i thought was strange i mean not that i'm an expert on these things but well, how long I does thought, it take to go private because he's going to take the company private off the stock i know market, i thought it? shares would have been suspended at this point you know, trading right. shares but maybe not Hmm. I mean, does does this mean it's a good time to um uh, to buy Twitter shares then? Do, do we think no? Because they're not they're going to go private. It's not going to matter. No, or is it? I don't know. I don't understand money. Well, Someone it, explain. No, it can't. Well, I mean, it can't. Well, if he's agreed to buy it at mm. a certain with a certain share price, I can't see how you could how they'd be allowed to sell shares, trading yeah. shares, because then yeah, that wouldn't work, would it? Well, yeah, I don't know. What's he going to do? I mean, look, I mean, I think the thing is, I've noticed everybody's this week, got, they've all got very excited and they're all trying to put out their spiciest tweets. I mean, you know, <laughs> well, that's the, people, the people you follow like to put out spicy tweets. OK, that's yeah, they, they do. do. They do. They do. I do worry that they're very serious about it sometimes, but I hope they're not. I hope they're just sort of being a little bit edgelordy and they're not going to be too naughty because I don't want them to get cancelled off Twitter. I mean, you know, not not at this time. That would be bad. So what what are they tweeting? Oh well, oh you know the usual sort of thing. Somebody tweets out the letter N, and then somebody tweets out the letter I, and then you know how it ends. It all ends in a very very naughty tweet, which we right. obviously cannot endorse. Um, and then there's people sort of putting out stuff about you know, oh you know, uh, um, you know where I'm going with this. But um, I, I yeah. don't follow these people, Simon. Yes, you do. Surely you do. Do you not? I've, never, I've not seen people doing that. You follow very worthy people like bloggers and people who actually know shit about stuff, don't you? I mean, really sensible people with actual qualifications and, and, and facts and stuff. And, and, I, and I follow people who are sort of the same, but they just have very, um, you know, naughty opinions. And they're Dissident testing right. the water. Dissident right people, yeah. Yeah, people will test the water. Mm. I'm not sure it's quite the right time to do it yet. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened with with um, Getter and Parler. People immediately tested the waters and immediately got banned. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I do, I do stand by my assessment of Twitter as look, it's the place with eyes on. I mean, it, there is kind of um, Charlemagne, uh, who goes by at Charles Main on Twitter, um, wrote a very good uh, little uh, Substack piece about look. The fact is, Twitter just is. It's not a question of it's got competition. You can try, but you just can't do anything. You know, we're just locked in. The lefties are locked in to an eternal battle with the right. 
communities and uh it's it's where they're taking their cues from in the in the public space i'd love to i'd love to feel that the other options were going to have a viability but you know it it's just too big now the first move advantage has been taken it's you know i'm not i'm not sort of trying to rub noses in it but um what can you do it's twitter yeah um so kate bingo is saying you can still buy twitter shares and he's a financial expert right. so i'm um, gonna go with him yes yeah, so there is a chance that the deal won't happen that is true i've seen reuters ran an article recently uh, i know it's reuters so they don't take it too seriously but they were saying there's quite a lot of reasons why Musk might actually pull out in the end. Yeah. Um, you know, not least governments around the world threatening Twitter. So the EU have threatened Twitter with um, banning it if mm. they don't, uh, you know, censor people and close down quotes, hate speech. And I, I saw some some uh, little clip on Twitter and, you know, doing my usual preparation for this show, which is like madly scrolling through Twitter for 30 seconds before the music starts. And I saw they were talking about the online safety bill, which we should be on everybody's mind here about, uh, you know, how the UK government is going to uh, constrain the available space for uh, free speech. Uh, and um, this could make a very uh, much more uh, sanitized environment, I think uh, she was saying. And um, that's going to be a bit boring, isn't it? We're all going to have to be sort of edgy on other platforms or be edgy on Twitter and possibly go to jail, which, which is fine by me. Yeah. You know, yeah. free meals, comfortable, play snooker, gym. I mean, that's more than I've got at the moment. Do you think Apple will, like, kick Twitter out of their app store? Can you see I mean, there is being raped in the showers as well, which I don't want to have. Do I think Apple will what, sorry? Kick Twitter off their app store. This is what people were talking about. Yeah, I mean, surely it would just be like Telegram because, I mean, I think they were threatening that with Telegram at one point, weren't they? But Telegram just said, well, just download it from our website then, you know, and you get a kind of pure version that's not being fiddled with by the people. That, yeah, uh, but Telegram are kicking people off though, aren't they? Oh, are they as well? <laughs> Great. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can you can get, you can use Gab without the App Store. You just, just use it on a browser. But, you know, these companies, they love having the app because the app is so much easier to use. And, you know, for all the dumbos, it's like it's there on your phone. You can see it. You don't have to create your own shortcut. You just have the app and you press the button and there it is. I don't think Twitter would be very happy if they had to go sort of semi underground, especially when Musk mm -hmm. paid all that money for it. Yeah. I mean, do you think do you think we can have a proper sort of free speech space? You know, if free speech has any meaning whatsoever now anyway, given what we've seen of the revelation of elite power in the last few years. I mean, why 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 can they not just let it go? I mean, why do we I mean, surely people will be saying, you know, oh, well, the tide is turning, you know, the right has been sort of very jubilant in this last week. But I think people do have to sort of, you know, contain that celebration a little bit, because um, as, as Kate Emma was saying in the chat, I mean, I don't. I don't trust Musk at all. Um, I think, you know, he may be someone who is aware of the opportunities presented by being a disruptive, you know, um, uh, capitalist, you know, entrepreneur, you know, man of industry. Um, and he's aware of his power in the space. But, you know, is there not just actually a different a different state of mind that we need to have socially as, 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 as you know, as, as Western civilization towards free speech and to say, look, it's, it's just not going to harm you. Just let it go. You know, let people say edgy, spicy things. It's not going to kill you. It really isn't. And actually sort of just let that thing flourish. And then we can all move on to something else. Cause I think free speech is becoming a bit of a distraction at this point. Most people are happy with free speech. It's just the elites who don't want free speech. And there's a very good reason they don't want free speech. Very good reason in that a lot of them would go to jail if free speech was allowed hmm. because there's a lot of stuff out there which they're madly trying to suppress hmm. and they don't want it to come out that's that's all it is 
of course, even if it does come out, they still might not go to jail because they've still got so much power. You know, they're in control of the FBI and the CIA and the, the I'm State not sure. Department. I'm not sure it has any tra traction. It doesn't have any traction free speech anymore. I mean, you can say the wildest things you want, but to be honest, I mean, they're doing such a good propaganda job on things like, you know, the war in Ukraine uh, that uh, nothing is getting through. You know, you can see, I mean, James Jellingpole was asking earlier the other day, how do we red pill the normies? And this question keeps coming up with some people and you think, well, you can't, you can't. It's kind of, there's always going to be, you know, what Edward Bernays called the bewildered herd. Uh, was it Bernays or Freud? I can't remember. But, um, you know, the, the people who are just going to kind of like, oh, too much trouble, too long, didn't read. I'm just going to go with the mass opinion, look at the papers, BBC. Yeah, OK, that's what I should believe about Ukraine. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of... I think, a, well, no I threat. think Ukraine's difficult. I think perhaps a more promising path is, uh, in, the, in the short term, is the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, which but I that think was, that is, was a, supposed to be a big revelation that coming a, a week or two ago and nothing's happened. Um, yeah, but we've got to keep pushing it though, because I think mm -hmm. that's that's a way we can get at. I say we. I mean, what the hell can I do? That's yeah. the way the right can can get at Biden and and directly strike at his administration. I'm not saying it's going to bring everything down, mm. but you've got to keep tugging at these threads and hope one's going to bring things down. Of course, the problem always is that you've got the media on the other side. So even if things do come out, even if they're forced to admit, as they mm. were with the Hunter Biden laptop, that it's all real, <clears throat> they can mm. still cover it up and spin it away and just sort of calm it down and make it into a nothing burger. Yeah, it's, it's all entirely inconsequential. I mean, what, 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 remind, do we know what's actually, what have we seen? What's on the Hunter Biden laptop? I mean, I've seen pictures of him, like, you know, crack pipe in his mouth, you know. What well, apparently like. there's loads of extra things that we didn't even see over the last year, uh, particularly to do with... Extra things, like DVD extras, but laptop yeah. extras. There'll be a special uh, deleted scenes from Hunter Biden's laptop. What, what, what have they got, do you know? Well, a lot of, um, let's just say, underage Ooh, shenanigans. Okay. Oh, dear. Naughty. Very, very yeah. naughty. Naughty, I mean, how, naughty. How, how did they get away with saying this is Russian dis disinformation when there's <laughs> all these pictures yeah. of Hunter Biden... You know, yeah. doing doing drugs and things like that and and rude yeah. things and it's clearly they clearly weren't just photoshopped or anything yeah clearly real i see the name natalie binder in, in the chat i think this was like isn't it like a cousin or something and he's meant to be doing naughty things to her bottom yeah so it's, it's not oh, just dear. underage stuff there's yeah. you know possible yeah. pedophilia in there whoa hello it's the guff stream it's a lovely sunny friday and <laughs> first mention of pedophilia has come up uh, and you're always yeah. going on about the bloody weather aren't you Simon? it's a family show it is a lovely sunny day actually i must say i've looked outside it's always a beautiful day when we do the guff stream which i think is god smiling upon us because let's face it he's not offering us much else at this time and uh, that's a some sort of compensation or so it's I'm, god I'm saying these people are inside let's make it lovely weather while they're inside <laughs> uh, that is true i think he does have a sadistic streak i've been having to work very very hard all week and the weather's been lovely outside for the most part and uh, i've been trapped in uh, in this room with this microphone looking at this uh, post-it note which says loza <coughs> owes me 20 quid i'm not i'm not festering in a sort of mire of bitterness but I, I kind of am yeah so there you go right hexagram saying people are converting in their droves is he to talking what? about red pilling yeah, I mean, I think it's nice that the sort of there's a sort of slab of people, a kind of boomer sort of slab of people, and some Gen X people are moving on a little bit in their appraisal. Of I think the, uh, I think some things are happening. Whether it's enough, I don't know. But I mean, yeah. uh, it's recently, faster than it's happened previously. Let's put it that way. Recently, people were pointing out. I saw this on Gab. They were saying, "Look, Charlie Kirk on on um, Twitter, and mm. Charlie Kirk's a bit of a middle of the road kind of guy." Yeah, he tweeted out something like, "There's a war on white people," and they were saying. Mm. 
This is yeah. not something people like him would have been saying two years ago. The whole anti-white thing is becoming a meme in the yeah, the mainstream to an extent, and uh, people. Are, I mean, but, but you know, given given some of the stuff that's published out there, I mean, I was looking at Doctor, uh, what's it, Doctor Shola Moss uh, Ogababimu or whatever her name is uh, yesterday, and I mean, these people are so vile. I mean, they really are awful, but we all know that. Um, but mm. um, the the whole, I mean, wow. I mean, yeah, if you are talking, uh, you know anti-white i mean wow yeah it's there in uh, in uh, in plenteous um you know uh, quantity so yeah they there you see it um ken in the chat by the way says the english have to mention the weather fact uh, i take it that ken may not be english he may be uh, maybe transatlantic or uh, even on uh, the australian uh, you know, side of things which we do have people listening in from australia occasionally right before we get off the topic of biden i've got a couple of videos oh, yeah. of biden to play so here's right. one okay underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains, <laughs> we're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kleptocracy and klep the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. Uh, oh, oh, uh, yeah. Just isn't it embarrassing? The little tell in his voice when he laughed after he said ill-begotten gains. <laughs> you know, I mean, does that not speak to, uh, you know, what Hunter's, uh, you know, monthly gratuities from the uh, the gas company in Ukraine? Oh, I'm sorry, that's probably fake news, but you know what I mean. It's like he's, he's laughing, like, I can't believe we're getting away with this. Absolutely. <laughs> we're Either talking that... about ill-begotten gains. <laughs> yeah. Maybe his earpiece uh, failed or something like that. Maybe he started picking up radio signals from, uh, you know, I don't know, Capital Gold or something like that and uh, got a bit of, uh, you know, uh, um, the, the eagles coming in his ear. Uh, you know, I'm going to play another not, video, an older ear. video now yeah. of Biden having a go at Scott Ritter, oh, yes. the former weapons inspector. And it's noticeable. Yes. What's Two things are really noticeable about this. One is um, what a nasty piece of work he is. I mean, every time you watch an old video of Biden, he's always really a real prick. Mm. Secondly, how much sharper he is than now, which really puts his current dementia into perspective. Yeah. We suggest they have responsibility slightly above your pay grade. Slightly above your pay grade. To decide whether or not to take the nation to war alone. Or to take the nation to war partway. Or to take the nation to war half halfway. That's a real tough decision. That's why they get paid the big bucks. That's why they get the limos and you don't. I mean this sincerely. I'm not trying to be flip because I think, and that's why I said at the outset, the reason why I'm glad you did what you did, we should come to our milk. We should make a decision. But in terms of whether the Secretary of State has no more to consider than you do as the arms inspector, you didn't get in, didn't get my job done, get me in. Period. You made the deal, right? That's the deal. A deal's a deal. Get me in. Scott Ritter, I'm ready to go. It's not how it works. Now, maybe it should work that way. But I, wouldn't you acknowledge that if you were President of the United States or the Secretary of State, you'd sit there and say, now, okay, old Scotty boy didn't get in. We said he should get in. We want him to get in. It's important that he does get in. They're not going to let him in, so what are we going to do now? We know that France and Russia aren't going to be with us. We're quite confident China's not. We've already run those traps. They're not there. We're not sure where the United States Senate is, but have at it, boys. Go get them. And by the way, Scott and the boys say air power's not enough. 
I think it's a legitimate debate, Scott, or, uh, Major. I think it's a legitimate debate. <laughs> but I don't think we should be putting it in the context of you have somebody up there at state saying, look, how can we weasel out of this agreement? We want to let this guy out there hanging. We're not, we're not this. It's a very practical political decision. Same kind of decision General Powell made. Same kind of decision President Bush made. Every president, every secretary of state has to do it. Like I said, they get paid more than you. Their job's a hell of a lot more complicated than yours. They may have made the wrong decision, and you brought it to light. We should address it. We should say straight up where we are, and we should do it. And for that, I thank you. But it's above your pay grade. You arrogant bastard. He is. What a, I mean, what a real, he's a really nasty prick, isn't he? Look at, I mean, look at Scott Ritter's face there. I mean, that is the, that is the face of a man very much in control, I would say. I think that's, that's the face of a Marine who is, uh, he is mentally loading the magazine on his AR-15 at that moment and uh, uh, ready to plug uh, Sleepy Joe, I think, uh, you know, right where it hurts. Um, uh, or snap his neck like a twig. I don't know which he might prefer, but... Um, I mean, this is the sort of treatment he gave uh, Clarence Thomas, you know, all the way back in the 90s, um, you know, when all of uh, that shit came up. And uh, he just has this this cavalier kind of, I don't know, what, what else can we say about this guy? I mean, it's obvious to people watching what he's like, what this guy is. He's a chancer, you know, and talking about your pay grade. Hello, what? Well, he was put forward as, as the nice guy. Of, you know, the, the, the presidential election... He was the non-crazy, non-stupid non leftist who was going to bring the country together because he was such a nice old Grandpa Joe. He's actually one of the nastiest people in, in Congress, I think. Given, given what we know, yeah. I, he's, uh, I don't know what to say. I think that said it all, really. I think I, that, that amount of, 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 of your theatricalizing of uh, that interrogation, I think, uh, definitely speaks to uh, the, sort of, uh, the sort of guy he is. Uh, I don't need to say much more than that. Yeah, and uh, it's it's. I mean, <laughs> it's noticeable how much sharper he was then than now. Although even back then, he didn't quite make sense some of the time. So I He's think a perhaps, perhaps some of some of his dementia now is just um, an accentuation of the fact that he doesn't think very clearly. But definitely, he he was nothing like he is now. Nothing no, I mean, he was just kind of dramatizing that right right throughout with sort of lots of eye rolling and sort of hunching and sort of caricatures in his face that, I mean, as I say, Ritter just showed by, by example there, you know, how uh, how composed he was. Although, you know, Ritter has got a bit of criticism lately, you know, over the uh, Gonzalo Lira thing, but that's put it, putting that to one side. I think uh, it's the kind of, you know, de haut en bas, as they say, the high and mighty quality of, of these American politicians when they're you know, speaking down to people in this kind of way instead of actually kind of uh, giving due respect to their uh, particular expertise and uh, listening to their testimony. And, uh, well, he's, he's auditioning. To... He's auditioning there, isn't he? He's auditioning in front of his party saying, yeah, look, yeah, I deserve yeah. a big, guy. powerful role because I'm a tough guy, I'm theatrical, I can impress yeah. on camera. I'm not just a boring dweeb who sits there and tries to get at the truth. Yeah, I'm a guy who's gonna, you know, make the news. Wow. I mean, I just would have loved if he'd been interrogating someone like George Galloway. <laughs> Wouldn't have that been fun? You know, that classic clip of uh, you know Galloway giving uh, evidence to a Senate committee and uh, really uh, tearing a strip—not just tearing a strip off, tearing their trousers off, wrapping them around their necks, and setting fire to them. I think was uh, probably a better description. But uh, yeah, he's a scumbag. Uh, older uh, President Biden. There, you know, he's he's not um, the kind of president. Um, I, uh, you know, 
I can respect, you know. Mm. Yes. All right. Um, I've got a clip of something to do with Musk. So shall we talk about, go back to Musk? Oh, yeah. Do we trust him or not? I've got to say, I don't really trust him. No. Uh, I'm not no. saying he's, he's, he's a bad actor. Maybe he's on the level, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to take that for granted. I'm going to assume that this is about him. This is partly got to be about Tesla. Mm. I mean, he's, he's bought Twitter with, he didn't just take 45 or whatever it was, 44, mm. 45, 47 billion out of the mm. bank and pay for it himself. He took about 20 out and has yeah. paid for the rest with a loan. Yeah. And funnily enough, that loan, a lot of it came from Morgan Stanley and Barclays, apparently. Okay. And Morgan Stanley is known as one of the, the wokest banks mm. around, one of the most wokest financial companies around. Oh, actually, there are a lot more that are also very woke, but they are woke. Morgan Stanley have been in the news for this. Mm. So it's kind of strange that they're, they're backing him for this because they could have easily said, no, we're not going to give you a loan. Yes, yes. Kate Emmer so, in the chat saying that he's a propped up actor, as somebody said recently. Yeah, he could be. He could be. I mean, I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he isn't. But, you know, we've mm. got to be suspicious given the way we've seen elites operating in the last few years, especially. You've got to assume that this is this could likely be just another action from the global elite. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Musk is going to be, I think this is why one doesn't trust those businessmen. I don't think it's necessarily because they um, are inherently untrustworthy. I think what it is, is they view everything in a kind of, uh, they try to sell everything as a win-win situation. So they'll try and sell it to us as, you know, look, it's, it's you guys who are winning. And of course, you know, in private to his business buddies, I'm sure he'll 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 sell something sort of uh, you know equally convincing to them. And uh, you know, I think maybe the the nature of the win is that he has to say, look, guys, we have to pivot this whole thing away from the mire that uh, Twitter was descending into with you know you know leftists you know hounding, chasing you know scandalising everybody else off the platform because obviously Twitter wasn't going to do particularly well. I mean you know as I say even if people like you know you are wanting to sort of leave and, and go somewhere else, I mean it's kind of well it's kind of over in a way because I mean I think you're pretty even tempered, you know. So when it gets to the sort of even tempered people going, you know this is shit. There's just no point being here anymore. And it was getting like that. I mean, he obviously saw an opportunity in a crisis, in an opportunity that was 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 there to be, you know, to be to be reaped uh, and exploited, and to say, look, uh, you know, we, we can actually make something of this. It has enormous, you know, potential yet to fulfil, but we do have to pivot the narrative away from, you know, favouring the wokies and bringing back a bit of uh, balance. And and again, that will that will generate the the you know the tumult and the fervour that a platform like Twitter needs. Again, it's like it's like mm. the Daily Mail media model. It's you, you chuck the grenade in the room, and then you sort of you know turn your phone camera on and, and film everybody running around screaming. I mean, that's the nature of the spectacle uh, of of things like Twitter. That yes, and the Daily Mail needs grenades every day, and kind of so does Twitter, really. Yeah. If you just make it a, a you know a bulletin board for the woke left, then you're not really going to get a lot of people coming there. Right? It's going to be like CNN Plus, it, yeah, which it's basically, the you know, we, I think we talked about CNN Plus. It wound up after a month. They couldn't even make it to the end of the month. It was supposed to go to April 30th. They couldn't even make yeah. it to then. They pulled the plug yesterday, I think, they, right. two days earlier, even you know, two days early from what they were, the date they were planning to pull the plug early. So yeah. that's what I Twitter mean, might have ended up like. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like any long running TV show in America. It, you know, you just have to you know change the, uh, the the arc of the story from season to season. This this season basically, it's killing off all of the kind of or the beginning of killing off the sort of woke stuff because you know that it won't make woke go away or anything like that. But it will give a sort of sense that um, look, something new and exciting is happening. We're creating a buzz. We'll draw people back. You know, all of the writers go on there and say edgy, spicy stuff for a bit, and you know they feel better. But this is a point that, um, again, mentioning a channel which I'm forbidden to mention on this show, but which a certain agent uh, of an academic nature was saying in a, in a post this week, look, this is about giving you the feel good of the win without actually changing any of the power structure uh, that um, is, is, is keeping you in, in their frame, essentially. Uh, and that's what we've got here. You know, nothing is ultimately going to change. The actual, you know, the, 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 the scenery will change. You know, the, the dispositions on the battlefield will change. But fundamentally, you know, they're still they're still in charge, you know, and, and, and they're contriving it to be that way with a, you know, a, a sort of a, a, an enticing spectacle. That's what it is. It's the show. That's what. Yeah. And, and, and let's face it, they're, they're not going to allow complete free speech on Twitter, are they? No. There'll be certain people who won't be allowed back on certain things that won't be allowed to be said yeah so you, you could say well it's just controlled opposition again isn't it, it, it it'll allow some of the center-right people back on and, and but anything is, too yeah. spicy won't be there yeah and musk has said you know it's well it's well whatever's within the limits of the law is going to be you know the nature of free speech and and, and again no he didn't say you... that he said he doesn't want to go too far beyond he said he criticized twitter for going far beyond what the law allows it's not entirely clear what he meant but he seems to be saying he's not just going to allow anything that's legal, but he's not going to stray. He'll ban things that are far away from um, what the center wants. But he's talking about wanting to piss off the far right as well as the far left. I mean, why do you want to piss them off? It should, a, a neutral platform shouldn't be pissing people off itself. Other well, people again, who say things on the platform yeah. might piss you off. But the yeah. platform shouldn't piss you off if it's neutral. Well, again, it's that it's that sort of instinct. I think these guys have. I, th I think a lot of people don't have. They don't. Um, most people want things to kind of, you know, go in a kind of, uh, I don't know, an entropic direction. They want the level of energy and agitation to calm down so that things are, you know, quote, back to normal and steady and stable. And these guys, business guys, they have an instinct for creative destruction. That's the way I think they they are. They don't. Uh, they don't look at this, you know, they don't look at something and think, oh, that looks nice. They think, oh, that looks nice. I'm going to knock it down. You know, they haven't, I think they have an innately destructive streak. And part of that is is creating some sort of controversy or some sort of, you know, act of uh, replacement or sabotage uh, in order to sort of just keep the show going. They're, they're like, you know, little low-key trickster gods, always sort of looking for the opportunity to kind of wreck something and then come up with, a, but, oh, I've got, I've got this solution to that. I've got this replacement for that. I've got something better. It's, it's, it's part of the sort of commercial cycle of, you know, everything has a kind of obsolescence and, yeah, maybe it's that um you know twitter was losing its flavor and they needed to reinvigorate it for a bit but maybe this is before they move on to whatever the next thing is going to be you know i mean i don't think it's going to be is going to be facebook's metaverse rubbish or is yeah. it going to be you know the other thing else? we should mention is um china's influence on musk because musk does a lot of his tesla work gets done in china yeah and apparently musk was very upset it was obsessed with how tesla was faring on twitter so I saw a former employee saying, you know, any time there was a negative mention of, of Tesla mm. on Twitter, Musk would fly into a raid. So you got to suspect he's bought Twitter to try and try and get a handle on that. How exactly he's going to do it, I don't know. 
Yeah. But he's probably going to try and protect Tesla's reputation on Twitter somehow. Yeah. Um, I should just say in the chat, Billy Blogs are saying, do you have an entropy link? I want to super chat with you, super chat you with info about Musk. We don't have an entropy link. I did look no. into doing an entropy thing, but I never bothered with it. I kind of expected us to get to a thousand subscribers here so we could I do know. super chats, but we're sort of stuck in the 700s. We're tantalizingly close, yeah. So go on, you know, get all your family, all your friends, and uh, anybody at all to uh, subscribe to the channel, even if they don't listen to us, so we can drain you of your lovely money. <laughs> also, Sam saying, why is it forbidden to mention academic agent? It's not really forbidden. It's just that one of our regulars constantly whines about yeah agent. whenever we he, mention him yeah whereas i'm just i'm just commenting on other stuff that's going on in the uh, youtuber uh, you know culture politics ecology and and you know other people say interesting things occasionally i can't help it i like to bring them up Kay bingo yeah. says i view musk as a sane 90s lefty who never did the shift to the extremes not one of us but a vast improvement none nevertheless yeah i though i wonder Probably though but, i mean given given the nature of what tesla produces and you know the nature of the uh the uh, uh the climate scam uh you know and it's uh you know a commercial exploitation i mean how much is is this guy our friend here you know he's pushing expensive evs that uh you know is part of a, a grand projet of governments uh across the west to uh you know knacker our cars you know get rid of petrol and uh, make us all pay more money for something that is not going to be particularly reliable unless perhaps i don't know maybe teslas are really good but the, the kinds of electric cars are going to be open for for ordinary people to buy are not going to be anywhere near as good well as testers did get a lot of bad publicity on twitter that that is mm. true especially a few years ago people were complaining about them left right and center mm. saying they just fall apart really easily yeah. um there's also some people are saying that um musk is is he's in bed with governments in terms of um looks like they're going to pay him to put spy satellites into space because he also runs SpaceX. Mm. which is presented as a kind of no another one of his noble projects that he's not really doing to make money it's because he loves space and loves the idea of humans exploring space you know old science Gosh. fiction dreams but you know this is a guy who doesn't just throw his money away really uh he's going to be making money from that and uh yeah launching spy satellites so he's in with a deep state there it's an interesting comment from Nathan and uh, CJ Hood in the chat there. Thank you for this. He is heavily influenced by the Culture series by Ian Banks, in which supercomputers manage human society. Okay, so that, uh, hmm, yeah, okay. The phrase Butlerian Jihad uh, occurs to me at this moment. Go and look it up. Uh, I didn't know what it meant either, but uh, yeah, the machines are taking over and it's uh, time to uh, smash the machines. I've Maybe. Read some of, I don't know. Some of Ian Banks's science fiction books. Mm. Not sure about the Culture series. All right. Ian Banks, the, the worlds presented in Ian Banks' books never seem to be utopias, though. No, not really. No, but he's a leftist guy, and uh, I think maybe he has an instinct for moving us into a, a miserable future. Uh, yeah, the, well, Nathan the, does also up. point out that Musk wants to put chips in people's brains and takes oh, government money on. to build ships to colonize Mars. Sounds like a supervillain. He is a he bit does, of a supervillain. He does. All supervillains. He does, but he reminds me in particular, he reminds me of uh, the character of, of, of Drax in the James Bond novel Moonraker. Not the shitty film, by the way, but the, um, he, he's a kind of character like this. He's, he, he sort of, he's a kind of charismatic businessman, great flair, great sort of vision, and he sets up to sort of you know, launch a, a rocket called the Moonraker. And this is going to bring you know, pride to Britain in the post-war period, you know, how advanced our technology is, and you know, it's a, a tweak in the nose of the Russians. And of course, it turns out at the end, spoiler alert, that he is in fact a Russian agent who has designed this rocket to be launched from Britain and to uh, drop on Britain with a nuclear warhead. So um, yeah, he's, he's right. kind of like a double-edged sword, Elon Musk, I think, you know, chips in people's brains, really? Here's, he well, here's, a, here's a film about, yeah, well, he's got a company called Neuralink, yep. 
who are doing this. Right. Um, and he's saying, well, the, the, the direct reason we're doing it is to try and help people who are paralyzed to regain movement. But he's also saying in the long run, the long-term aim is to integrate people with AI. Yeah. So he is a transhumanist. Yeah. I've got a little film of um, some researchers <coughs> who are doing some of this sort of stuff. I don't know if it's for having that time to check if it's actually from Neuralink or it's another company, but it's it's all pretty hideous though. Yeah. So, let's have a look at this. So amazing that you just press a button and the beetle starts walking. Mm -hmm. Now, for those who are listening in podcast form and can't what, see the visuals, this is they've got a beetle sort of tied down and they've um, put electrodes in its brain. Uh, and making it move its legs against its will. Mm. It's, I, I don't know, it seems almost unreal uh, that, you can, that you can kind of achieve this in a, in a living It is unreal, creature. yes. If I press one more time, uh -huh. 0 0.2, 0 0.5 hertz, so it's faster. Then... That's, <laughs> this is really amazing. One hertz. <laughs> if I want to change to galloping, I press this button, so it will oh, change Jesus. to galloping. So... Yeah. Yes, it's galloping. And this is when uh, it runs faster, basically. Yeah, the step frequency is one hertz. Uh huh. Now it's two hertz. Wow. Yeah. It struggles itself, but it still obeys the stimulation signals. Uh -huh. Yes. And do you think is he struggling <laughs> to kind of stop these stimulation signals? Ah, uh, yes, I think so. But still, it obeys. Yeah. <laughs> and this just keeps on working like this. Oh uh, yes. It doesn't get used to it or something. It doesn't. No, no, no. I stimulate even like for more than half an hour, so it's still like this. We stimulate more than seven days, more than one week. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And it keeps Obey. working. Yes. Yes. Ah. You're putting in electrical signals in, in into the beetle now. Mm -hmm. But is it using up its own uh, yeah, energy source, basically? Is it using the food that it eats to drive the muscles, or yes. are the muscles driven by the electricity? Uh, yes, the food. So you have to feed it yeah. to be able to yes. keep on doing yes. this. Yes. Oh, God. Looking at this thing, it's, it's unbelievable, actually, yes. that, that humans can uh, you know, take over control, over no. basically over the willpower of this insect, because the muscles are being driven by the insect itself. I mean, it has to feed it, it has to eat to be able to move the muscles and all that they are doing is putting a bit of electrical stimulation into the muscles and they can control it to a degree that's amazing if you think about it these may just be the first stages of this but if you think about where this could go this is really incredible incredibly dangerous and yes. how, how long would a beetle like this live the, the, the natural the regular beetles uh, survive for three months to six months uh, so apparently that comes from a vice. It was a part. Of, it was a vice video. Um, yeah. It, it could be. Look, I should say all these things could be fake. Who knows these days? I saw a fake video last night. Actually, it was people were were sharing on social media. It was supposedly showing mm. um, a, a, like a, a pro a pro Ukraine video uh, of a lot of Ukrainian people being killed uh, and a lot of body bags. But then one of the body bags moved and someone was alive inside it. Yeah. Um, it turns out this was just from a climate change protest in Vienna years ago, and someone right. had done a fake green screen news report over it. So there's there's plenty of misin you know well, I don't I don't want to use the word misinformation. There's plenty of fake stuff around on on both sides of every issue. So yeah. be careful. Yeah. But this yeah. I think this is real though. Certainly this sort of stuff is going on. Yeah, the rapacious glee in his face. You know, oh this is unbelievable. This He's is incredible. A, well, they're pretty good actors if that's all fake.
Well, I think, I mean, I saw um, Sandman, your comment, yeah, didn't Galvani do something similar with frog's eggs? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy enough principle. You know, I've been, I've been wired up to uh, what you call a TENS machine, which uh, people use for, for you know, for, for uh, neural <coughs> stimulation and, and, and movement problems with people. So it's like you put a bunch of electrodes, you know, on parts of the body. I mean, I had a doctor friend do this to me years ago and put some electrodes on my arm and then you get some electrical stimulation through the TENS machine and it can contract the muscles to move. And, and you actually are out of control completely i mean she was a bit of a sadist actually actually it was that girlfriend that um i um was a psychotic <laughs> so i broke up with her but she sort of activated the tens machine and my arm just kind of like spasmed and contracted i mean and to be honest it was frightening actually because the power you could put into that thing you could break a bone I've, i actually got to a point where i said oh can you turn it off that is really painful you know because uh, my arm was sort of all twisted up and and uh yeah i mean that's but that's you know that's what this basically is i mean you notice he's like he's this poor bug is like like sellotape to a lego block you know and uh you know they're just i just thought the whole thing was deeply sick i mean i don't know that's was, just me yeah. no, um, the, the idea that i mean yeah okay there's, there's the context of saying okay maybe if somebody's got like uh you know some kind of neuropathy you know or they've you know got, got uh, nerve damage and they've lost movement in limbs and maybe there's a way to sort of implant a stimulator like you would have like with a heart pacemaker or you know something like that you know if if people have got a sort of particular physiological disadvantage that they voluntarily offset with some kind of technological application solution that's one thing but the idea that this is kind of opening up a sort of wide-eyed oh wouldn't it be wonderful if you know we could do this to everybody or, or sort of you know start endorsing this technology as a kind of you know super enhancement augmentation uh, kind of uh, you know phenomena for, for human beings then i'm thinking no 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 i mean it's like med medical therapeutic applications is one thing but these things have to be sort of clearly defined and controlled by the principle of informed consent for a start which which seems to be going by the by as a somewhat arcane idea uh and and also i just i just felt sorry for the bug it was just uh you know it was it was just a sort of galvanic puppet you know at that point writhing around on, yeah, on, a, I'm, on I'm, a big I'm lego no, block i'm no great animal lover but i found that disturbing yeah yeah obviously you, you can make it like sort of you know yeah run and run and run until it's it's heart pops or whatever or <laughs> oh no no it's it's still using up uh you know the the, the food uh generated by uh, you know its own uh, food uh, muscle uh, the the energy generated from its own food intake uh but uh you know but the phrase that came to me was was the banality of evil because that yeah. lab assistant just seemed so kind of blasé about the whole talk thing. about dead-eyed yeah right <laughs> And you could see, you could see, you could see that he, he could see where this was going, and he liked it. I mean, there's no, there's no part of me that is a is a complete luddite and is is against you know the the insights of the of the advance of technology. My point, as ever, like anyone with a sort of sort of reactionary mindset like mine, uh, is that you know yes, we can do these things, but should we? <laughs> but should we? And there's no conversation about the but should we? You know, you've got weirdos like this, and you've got that Yuval uh, Noah Harari guy. Uh, you mm. know, who, who sort of envisages that we're all going to be kind of, uh, you know, uh, neurally locked into our, you know, porn pods, you know, in the future and eating, yeah, he, you know, junk he, food. He and needs to drugs. be helicoptered, that guy. Oh, he needs some quality penguin time. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, uh, yeah, he needs to be relocated to South Georgia in the winter uh, very quickly. But, 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 yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's it looks like. Go on. It looks like they actually yeah. wired the muscles up directly. I don't think they actually stimulated its brain. That yeah. Would be a very, 
that would be a tricky opera. You'd need some serious scientific equipment for that. And, you know, masking tape and a Lego block suggests this is actually quite a low tech yeah. experiment. So it looks to me, uh, there was a bit earlier in the film where they, the wires are actually just going into its muscles rather than into its brain. I imagine so. You could just locate yeah, yeah, the particular, the particular, um, you know, uh, nerve stimulation points in 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 the legs and the arms and uh you know just give them i mean again it's nothing new this it can be done you can move muscles vol voluntarily uh, un yeah. uh, spontaneously with with electrical stimulation yeah, so it's just going back to the the frog isn't it but this is rendering us you know i mean what are we all going to end up like those kind of you know creepy robotic dogs from boston dynamics or something we're all going to be sort of augmented into uh, you know act activatable you know sort of eating and killing machines i don't know okay okay maybe that sounds hysterical but the, the point is here it's 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 that this is kind of just being, you know, elided into the culture as if, well, this is marvelous, isn't it? Look what we could do with a bug. Imagine what we could do with your dog or imagine what we could do with, you know, your, your granny who's got some sort of medical problem and imagine what we could do with you. And there is a kind of slippery slopeness to this that uh, I find a little bit unappealing. Yes. Let's say. Billy Blog says, do you really believe Musk or his backers really want to fix quadriplegics? There's probably no money in that. No, indeed. They want to uh, enhance, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, normal people like uh, like us into something. I don't know what. But um, again, I, I think it's, you know, maybe this ties into the sort of cultural energy that's been put into things like superhero films lately, you know? All the uh, what they call cape shit, I believe, in uh, certain areas of the right films. I mean, this idea that I mean, I've never, I have to say, I've never been into superheroes of any kind whatsoever. I've never found no, the, I'm not the, a big uh, super. Well, I used to read superhero comics as a as a right. boy. Yeah, I soon lost interest. I've never, they've never had the kind of. But I think that's a thing that you know they've they've with this sort of adolescence that permeates culture now. That's a thing that they're kind of pushing towards and hinting at, and saying, "Well, maybe, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could have superpowers of some kind?" It's, it's like the feeling that people had when you know you watched Aliens, you know, and and Ripley gets into that exoskeleton kind of thing, you know, and and batters the alien queen around, and you know the U.S. military were talking about that a little while back, you know, sort of um, you know doing this thing of you know uh, cybernetic augmentation, you know, for people. But that was kind of a very crude way of doing it. And this is the whole thing of, well, let's see if we can internalize these things and make them seamless and hidden. And then you sort of see this conversation about it become seamless and hidden as well in the culture. And it gets enhanced by this sense of, wouldn't, wouldn't you feel like, wouldn't you love to be a superhero? And so wouldn't you love to have some special power that other people don't have, like to, you know, to, to, to pay for your biscuits with a swipe of your hand? <laughs> I mean, that's going to be your yeah. superpower. It's not going to be a good superpower. They're going to keep the good superpowers for themselves. You're going to get the, um, you know, pay your council tax bill just by your imagination superpower yeah. <laughs> nothing there's, else there's, there's a reason i mean there's a reason why it's little kids who like superheroes yeah and that's because little kids don't have any power or strength and yeah. they like imagining that they do and that's i think why superhero yeah. movies are so popular these days is because people ordinary people have so little power or agency in their own lives that they're attracted to these things yeah also yeah. let's not forget the other downside of superhero cape stuff it's giving capes a bad name because there is there is a right and proper place for capes, and that is on the back of someone like Rick Wakeman, ah, playing keyboards yes. in a prog band. That's where capes a, belong. Don't give them a, a bad name. <laughs> I thought you were going to link to a Rick no, Wakeman I, video there. From I don't have a Rick Wakeman video. I should I have think, had yeah. one ready. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Capes have their place uh, on on people like Rick Wakeman on, on prog rockers of the nineteen seventies. Uh, he had a gold lame you know, cape or something, didn't he? He, he did a bit over the top, yeah. Um, yeah, but, but also, you know, capes on some literary types are fine. 
yeah, capes, uh, you know, Darth Vader wears a cape very well. Um, you know, sort of Renaissance princes usually had a little bit of a sort of a cape off the shoulder, which was, was rather flattering, I think, in many ways. And uh, I think a cape can be a very practical garment uh, in some uh, in some respects, um, but uh, also uh, with, yeah. with an imposing sense of dread in, uh, in it uh, as well that uh, gives you uh, enough of a... Go on, sorry. Jason Ayers is saying in the comments, sci-fi has been warning us about cybernetic augmentation for decades, yet still people think it's a good idea. I mean, this goes back to something, I think I did this on the show a while back, where I was mm. saying we've had for endless decades movies about corruption between corporations, or corruption in corporations, corruption yeah. in government, and corruption between corporations and government. It's such a total staple of films and TV shows. We're so used to it, yet we refuse to believe it can actually happen in real life. When, when you know people say oh there's all this corruption going on yeah ordinary pers person says no it, that can't possibly be true how can that possibly happen it cannot be it cannot be real that yeah. sort of stuff just doesn't happen in real life so it's like it doesn't matter how much you show people things in movies in yeah. a way they don't really believe a lot of this stuff. no 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 i mean that's the thing about i mean do you remember i, I remember watching robocop back in the 80s and i mean even at that age what was i 16 or something when that film came out and you were aware that it was a, a satiric take on the instincts of of capitalism uh, in, in America, you know, I mean, obviously, Verhoeven, you know, ha has sort of perhaps a simplistic, somewhat leftist view of this in many ways. But you could see in the film that there they were saying, you know, you know, it's not necessarily a good idea, this stuff of like, re you know, rebuild. I mean, obviously, that came from the heritage of things like the six million dollar man on television. You know, the guy, he's in NASA, he's in a crash. They rebuild him and augment him. And he has sort of superpowers, you know, great strength, great speed, all of that. And it kind of, OK, it makes for a kind of cheap kids tv show where the hero can sort of have a sort of deus ex machina built into him and overcome the bad guy every week great fine if you leave it at that but obviously robocop went a bit further and sort of showed you the sort of the the you know the dilemma of of what are you, what are you doing when you're trying to you know mesh human emotions with uh you know um you know enhanced physique uh, and capability uh, by you know uh, giving people sort of cybernetic uh, augmentation and and of course the the thing you're left with from the film is not really so much of the moral questions of all that but but looking at the the, the venal and cynical uh, way that this is um regarded you know it's very much like in aliens you know they want to bring the alien back to earth so they can use it as a bioweapon and in robocop it's very similar as well you know these guys are just like it's, it's about the dollar you know i'd buy that for a dollar it's it's getting it's getting you to that land of efficiency in in society you know everything about propagating efficiency in some way and nothing about hang on life isn't about us just being more efficient consumers or actors or or you know killers uh, in some sort of you know com conflict scenario like you see with terminator that floor is mentioning in the chat um it's 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 again it's that sense of you know should we do this there's no conversation about the should sorry yeah. just i'm getting agitated about it now yeah well, I just think it's extraordinary that um, uh, we've had all these movies and TV shows for so long telling us about this stuff, uh, yeah. and but we refuse to believe it could happen in real life. I suppose partly that's the me. Probably ten years ago, people were more likely to believe it, but yeah. I think since the media has decided, oh, the good guys are in charge now, we're going to play all this stuff down and be on their side. I think the media's turn people around so they just don't mm. believe that sort of stuff happens because when I mean, mm. you, you tell an ordinary person about Pfizer you say you know Pfizer is a corrupt country uh, company yep. don't trust them blah 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 mm. people look at you like you're mad they think oh how can that 
possibly be true this is a, a medical company saving lives they're wonderful people well, they're but, heroes and yeah. you say but but pfizer you know have had massive fines in the past pfizer have been found guilty numerous times for doing all this dodgy stuff of course they of course they would do it they still don't believe you no no it makes me it strikes me listening to what you're saying there that there's an element of our culture that actually kind of revels in the dystopian uh, in order to distract from the fact that that's what people are actually doing in real life. You know, it's it's to make people go, oh, well, that couldn't happen, you know, isn't it? That's that's the kind of cope that it uh, it, uh, you know, induces in, in people. They go, oh, well, Robocop is just a bit of satire. Can't happen. And of course, it's exactly what they're thinking of doing. You know, it, it, it's it does it does take it to a kind of logical uh, extreme, uh, yeah. but one in which yeah, you could read it as satiric, but at the same time, you could you could very much read it as not far enough in the view of the people who are doing it. You know, they want to go further. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So all this talk of bugs has uh, made me nostalgic for a few weeks ago when we did the cricket lady. I'm going to bring oh, her yeah. back for a brief period because I really liked her. The cricket lady. Well, Remind I keep getting me, cricket uh, crickets oh. in my house. I don't know oh, why. God. I've never had a cricket problem before, but I oh, I looked it yeah. up and apparently it's it's really bad luck to kick them out of your house like you're not supposed to kick them out of your house but like what am i supposed to do like let you stay here now there's like 36 crickets running around because i did kick out one and let me tell you i had a really really horrible week after that <laughs> and now they're just running around running and i'm around. like please move i just want to make a piece of toast and you're in my way <laughs> And I open a cabinet. It's just like, oh, hey, cricket, that I can't kick out of my house. Can you please just leave? I don't want to kick you out. I just want to ask you nicely to leave. My house is just infested with crickets. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. I don't know if this lady is, if this is a joke, but it's, it's got to be. It's, it's great. I was taken so in the good. first time. I thought it was real. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it seems like it's got to be satire, surely. You know, she's just a good, you know, she's just an actress having a bit of a sort of workout on camera. And By seeing, cricket, you know, she obviously means cockroaches. So she, if this was real, she could actually get calling on Musk and get him to come in and they could take all the cockroaches or crickets, whatever they are, away for experimentation. Or I it's just, just some I... lab in China. I think lots of labs in China are just doing this stuff, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, when I lived in Australia, you got crickets. But the problem with crickets in Australia is you get them in the house. You can't work out where they are. They've got this like sound throwing capability, haven't they? Yeah, that they're very noisy. You, you know, one's in there, but you can't work out where the hell are they hiding? They just are very good. Whereas cockroaches just kind of trundle around the place all the time in Australia. I mean, I had one run up my leg in bed once. It was really, really not very nice. But you know, they're just you kind of can't do much about cockroaches in Australian houses. They just I don't know where the hell they come from. Um, but the crickets are trickier because they don't bother you so much. Just the noise. They just torture you. I've never noise. had a cricket in my house. I've had cockroaches. Really? Never had a cricket. Yeah. Oh, no. You get, yeah. You, or you had um, I'm sort of crickets would come in and they'd, like, they'd hide behind a dresser or something like that, you know, or, you know, just like on the leg of a chair and they just sort of cricket away. And you just couldn't work out where the sound was coming from. And you would hunt around the house and, and then um, you'd never find it. Well, if anyone can work out whether she's, she's real or not because I don't have the time. Billy Blogs are saying, not this silly cow. Have we worked out if this is fake or not yet? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps someone no. can tell us. It just seems so. It, it, I guess, yeah. I mean, there probably are people like this, I guess. But uh, yeah, she seems um, she seems nice. Right. While we're doing um, videos, let's play mm. a video of this woman. So, you know, this the Department for Homeland Security in the US oh, yeah. has um, got a new, a new department. You know about this department for misinformation, Simon? Oh, vaguely, maybe. Don't know. Go on, tell me. Hit me. 
Okay, well, there's this new department for, um, I can't remember the exact name now, um, mm. but it's basically for countering misinformation. So she's going to be like the chief censor of the US. Yeah. Okay. Um, and her name is Nina. Yeah, well, it all seems perfectly natural and in keeping with the way governments are going. It's like nudge units. I mean, everybody's going to have disinformation units now. And, uh, you know, Ministry of Truth is uh, on the way. And, uh, yeah, that, this seems perfectly natural. Yeah, okay, fair, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so it's called, it's called the Disinformation Governance Board. Um, and So I've they're going to govern the amount of disinformation the government puts out then, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I think the answer is always not enough. Well, I keep getting um, crickets. Oh, right. Maybe, Let's yeah. do... I'm going to show you a video of this woman. This is the okay. woman who runs it. Her name is, I think it's Nina Moskovitz or something like okay, that. Okay, she's going to be some sensible pillar of society uh, who is, uh, we're all going to respect and look up to and think, yes, she's the right person for the job. Uh, am I guessing yeah. along the right lines? I, I think you've seen this, haven't you? I don't know. I'm not sure. Laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So, disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie. It's how you hide a little idle lie when Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh! This is the point of the show we're going to say we're kidding. So this is Tucker Carlson who first played this and had a go at her. I mean, that. Uh, can it's I leave now? It's completely somebody, bizarre, isn't it? Can somebody stop the planet? Uh, I'd like to lie down. Um, yeah. W w okay. I just thought is that is that the wrong clip? Because that's that's like um, some actress who's getting that to that dangerous age of uh, like being a bit over the hill and, and not really going to make it in films anymore. And she's doing her musical theatre piece for us, uh, and she's trying to go viral. And she's not actually somebody who's going to be appointed to a, a public office with all of the uh, dignity of state that that carries and uh, the uh, hefty remuneration is she she's she's someone who's just going to be a she, she's just, she's an light entertainer she's like those ne comedians that went viral on twitter during lockdown yeah i found her name it's nina jankovic no she really is going to head up the new u.s disinformation unit and um, she actually what? used to be in a she used to be in a harry potter tribute band called uh, uh, the moaning the moaning myrtles i hadn't seen this clip by the way i have to say i hadn't uh, i hadn't realized this was the full extent to which we had sunk well that was a that was a treat for you then wasn't it well that was nice yeah i mean uh, she seemed um perfectly nice and completely mad at the same time uh, i don't think i'll be approaching her on guardian soulmates if i ever go back there which i won't be uh, see if I can find the picture of the Moaning Myrtles, her Harry really? Potter tribute band. Well, how can you have a Harry Potter tri The Moaning Myrtles. They did Harry Potter-themed songs. What? Dressed up so, as so, uh, was, Myrtle. You know Myrtle, the woman, the yeah. ghost woman who hangs around the she, toilet. Yeah, that's a very weird thing, actually, in the Harry Potter books, that there is the ghost of a dead uh, pupil who, who lives in a toilet. I, I, I didn't find that an attractive uh, kind of uh, uh, literary conceit. But what are they, they're just where they're wearing school uniforms, <laughs> like those kind of sado discos that people used to go to wearing school uniforms. Is that it? Is yeah. that shtick? It's kind of... Well, they're school, school kids because, you know, it's all set in Hogwarts. So yeah. So she was doing this in okay. her mid-20s. This, right. this band only folded in 2011. So hmm. it's just like ah. just over a decade ago. And now How she's in charge. Now she's in charge of censorship in the US.
Yeah. When I say censorship, okay. we don't exactly know what they're going to do, but uh, you can bet it's going to be something like censorship. Yeah. Yeah. I. I yeah. Okay. Mm, okay. This is the problem. People who kids who grew up on Harry Potter are soon going to be entering positions of real world power. This is what bothers me <laughs> about the insidious influence of uh, Harry Potter and. Uh, I mean, I could see it's kind of an enjoyable kids' fantasy and stuff, but the way it's kind of infiltrated culture as a kind of, you know, a, 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 a comparator paradigm, like, you know, in the way that, you know, we might have said, oh, yeah, this is a bit like that Greek myth of, you know, Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill or, you know, um, kids now reach for Harry Potter comparisons. They do. But what's what's funny is all these these Harry Potter types who sort of read Harry Potter and saw themselves as you know the freedom fighters against the likes of Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, they've all ended up as Dolores Umbridge. This that's woman correct. is basically Dolores Umbridge, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She yeah, thinks she thinks she's whatever her name is, the girl Emma Watson. Yeah, she thinks she's Hermione Granger. Yeah. she's actually Dolores Umbridge. She's actually the Imelda Staunton character. Yeah, I mean it's kind of yeah. I suppose it just gives the. Uh, gives the old saying about, you know, if you hang around long enough, you eventually become the villain in your own story um, <laughs> to, uh, you know, it makes that uh, yeah, sing with new resonance uh, for uh, the modern era. Yeah, they're not going to become the heroes. They're going to become all of the uh, overweening, manipulative, uh, mendacious shitbags in the story. And uh, here's her first great promotion. I mean, think where, what, to what heights she will go. Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, world domination next. Uh, stay tuned, folks. Uh, this is the kind of woman that uh, you, you definitely don't want to be around. Yeah, she's, she was, was a fellow at the Wilson Centre where she studied the intersection of democracy and technology in Central and Eastern Europe. And right. the author of How to Lose the Information War, Russia, Fake News and the Future of Conflict. She, I know right. she also wrote uh, a feminist book as well. Uh, but she apparently made a big fuss about Hunter Biden laptop saying this was... Russian misinfo, or it probably came from the, the Donald Trump's. Own. Yeah, it's all those bad guys over there with the uh, horns on their helmets and uh, you know the uh, the stern looks on their faces that are doing it. It's it's not us. We're the nice people. Yeah. So um, yeah, she was very big on the the Hunter Biden suppression, saying this all probably came from the Trump Trump. Team. So you know, she's just the person to put in charge of misinformation, and isn't she? Yeah. It's just unbelievable yeah. what what they're doing now. Yes. Emily, Emily in the chat says too much woman hating. Maybe we're being we're veering off into a misogynist uh, annex of the guff stream. Oh, her latest book is called How to Be a Woman Online. So we're going to do a bit more woman hating just for a bit. Yeah. Deals with the topics of Internet bullying and trolling. Yeah. Well, it seems that she's actually pretty good at that herself. I think it's this it's this thing that um, these people it's like the, I mean, I, I guess if you're familiar with Harry Potter, the Dolores Umbridge character is is kind of. I, I'm sure there are other better examples in literature for which which I can't temp temporarily I can't think of, but that is the kind of thing really. It's the lady who dresses in pink and has lots of pictures of kittens on the wall and she smiles. It's the Jacinda Ardern kind of woman, and I think that's the problem. Is a lot of women who are, you know, coming a lot, you know, to public attention, are seeing this as a kind of model of how to enact power. It's like I have to be known and I have to smile and I have to tell you that I'm going to put you in prison for your own good and inject you with something that's going to kill you but it's all for your own good and it's 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 that sort of thing of like um maybe this is kind of the route now you have to come in and appear to be you know perfectly lovely uh, at everything instead of the kind of Margaret Thatcher route of you know the, the classic take people always have is oh she became a man essentially in order to to um 
you know, to to exercise power. But I I don't think that's true at all. I think she just became someone with extremely uh, strong principles, which she wouldn't budge on. Um, and it's there was nothing I think unfeminine about her in that sense. I, th I think it's generally true. It's not just just women who are coming to, into politics now or into positions of power. It's a lot of men as well doing the soy boy thing. It's mm. just being soy in general, whether it's women or men doing it. They, they soft, sort of yeah. put on put on this yeah. sort of pathetic soft face. And so, yeah. you know, we're, we're all about being nice and uh, yeah. no hate speech and so on. So Emily yeah. Jane says too much women hating. I mean, we yeah. spend a lot of time on this show hating people. Probably 98% yeah. of the people we hate on are men. So that's true. Yeah. Don't think you know, really hating women. She, Emily also says, I don't think of myself as a woman most of the time, just a person. I firmly believe in men being men and women. Oh, sorry. Men being men and women being women and would gladly have taken a subordinate wife role to a decent man. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's I just I don't know this. It's this thing of uh, this is what comes from the left. It's the idea of gender as a performative construct. You know, it's not just, you know, I'm a guy and I, I do what I do. It's not even doing what guys do. I mean, I'm I'm probably a bit atypical. I mean, I'm not someone, you know, like, uh, you know, London Raider, who is a classic um, disagreeable man archetype. You know, he just sort of spends his time you know, complaining about uh, things in the chat. Um, but uh, and, and I don't think that women necessarily, you know, all fall into a kind of subordinate thing but then again i think there are just things that people like i mean there was some um, something i saw um you know uh, catherine burble sing was uh, uh, on twitter this week and she'd been criticized apparently for saying well basically women didn't like doing physics because of the hard maths involved and maybe there's only about 16 percent of 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 you know pupils who are taking up um physics as a choice and and maybe then taking that onwards to tertiary education but it's and she just was criticized for saying well yeah girls just probably don't like it and i think well yeah probably not it's it's boring i mean i don't like it well, i don't a lot particularly of, like lot of men don't like it either it's really no. just a difference in percentages you know maybe yeah. there's yeah 35 percent of men who like it and 15 yeah. percent of women how many hard physics books are you going to see on my bookshelf anytime soon none sorry yeah uh, so, I mean, what's wrong? Yeah, girls don't like stuff. Boys don't like stuff. I mean, some boys do like certain stuff. I mean, you know, if you want to be Desmond is fabulous, I guess you do want to be a trans kid and uh, prance around in uh, high heels and wigs and uh, fake eyelashes. But most men, yeah, generally no. Generally no. We prefer just to be uh, left alone to uh, play with our toys in the shed. Olivia Newton-John got physical. Hmm. Mm. I don't know what Ken means, but I... Physics. Well, it's close enough to physics, you see. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. There you go. So, I mean, yeah, just, just, yeah, just let people do what they want. And yes, you find that everybody kind of reverts to the mean, don't they? And, uh, you know, women do things women like doing and men do. I mean, if, if I'm stopping a woman doing anything, do let me know. You know, I will uh, immediately rush out and correct anybody who is uh, stopping a woman doing what she wants to do. But I don't know. We don't. I think women are out of touch with what they want to do. They've been kind of uh, propagandized to, uh, to 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 want to do things they don't want, like physics. If they want to do physics, don't make them do physics. Yeah, don't make anyone do physics who doesn't want to do it. No. So, okay. Yeah. Um. Here's another video of this. This one's of uh, a certain ex-president. Hmm. Mike Mafal and I were talking backstage, and my first time in Moscow as president. We, we gathered with all these civic activists. Putin, at that time, had, had receded from the, the foreground. And, and, and you had all these folks who were working to make Russia better. <laughs> and then we were reminiscing and thinking about 
that moment of possibility and and what might have happened to him. Oh God. Yeah, this is a bit boring. This first bit. No, 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 it's not that. that. Those who it... control the information have led public opinion further and further and further and further away from the facts until all of a sudden almost a quarter of the country's combat power has been damaged or destroyed in what the government is claiming is a, quote, special military operation. That's what happens when societies lose track of what is true. Yeah, okay, right. On the other hand, the last couple of months have also shown what can happen when the world pushes back. We have seen it in the people, including some of our Obama leaders in Europe, who are organizing on social media to help Ukrainian refugees, offering food and shelter and jobs and rides. We've seen it in an IT army of volunteers who work to break through Russia propaganda and reach out to mothers of Russian soldiers, asking them to call on Putin to bring their sons home. So I think the reason I got this video was because I, I sort of fell asleep during the first bit. It was so boring. I, 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 I no, think I, it was I, because I, he's admitting that there's all, yeah. you know, all this um, you know, underhand I, computer stuff going on. I wasn't bored at all. No, I wasn't. I wasn't sighing because of that. I was sighing because as someone with an acting background, I was just seeing how many kind of performative tricks he was using. Um, at the beginning of that speech, he was talking about, you know, there we were in Moscow and big pause. We're with all these activists, look off into middle distance, summoning the dream of a sort of by, bygone golden era. Yeah. And, and, and he's kind of using a lot of rhythm and gesture and the way he's using his eyes. He's kind of doing that thing of, you know, as I say, using those emotive pauses where you draw the audience in to kind of see the imaginative picture of the past that you're painting and then contrasting it with the wickedness of the present, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, it, I, I've, I've heard people say they believe that Obama's a, a great, you know, pra practitioner of rhetoric or just a great public speaker. Um, but I feel so, man I, I feel it's just so manipulative. I just really, I can read it as, as an actor, as somebody who is behaving in a very actorly way, but it's very cheap sentiment i think well, i think anyone can, read, anyone can read it who isn't already kind of convinced that he's the messiah and is on his side politically because yeah. when people were saying when he was running people were saying oh he's such a wonderful speaker and i i watched some of his speeches thought well this is yeah. stuff's awful he's just corny cheesy uh vague windy platitudes it was pretty obvious i thought i think he's learned to do less i mean ken in the chat says low energy he doesn't believe what he's saying I think that may well be possible. I think there is always that kind of art of the noble lie with elites. You know, they, they say the thing in public that you're meant to hear, but in private, they believe something completely different. You know, it's kind of, you know, conservatism for me, but uh, liberalism for thee, you know, as it were in the public realm. And I think, but I think but Obama is very practiced at this. I don't think it's low energy. I think he's learned to do it with a minimum of fuss, just gliding, you know, his words out, waving his hands in a very relaxed way, summoning this sort of image of the golden past. And then also then the specter of fear in the present. And I think he's that's trying, well, he's trying to come off as, as genuine. I think that's why he might seem a bit low energy. I, th I think that's that's the relaxed quality. It's it's the kind of like he's saying, guys, you know, I don't need to lie to you. I can just tell it like it is with a slightly kind of mournful sort of plaint in my voice and a kind of, you know, a sort of sonorous kind of reminiscence about, you know, what was better before. And look at what's happening now. But on the other hand, he raises this positive vision. But activists are mobilizing, you know, to challenge the fake news and all of this sort of stuff. It's kind of 
he's he's a good performer in terms of being able to ma manipulate people with this sort of cheap sentiment um but uh that's what is so it's like tony blair it's 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 i don't know if you say it's practiced or if it's natural to them but they've they've got a thing of being able to confidently speak to a room and take them in the palm of their hand and and plant them in the middle of their vision and kind of caress that uh when he's speaking and uh as i say i kind of i kind of i don't i don't hear the compelling thing coming out of the argument or the the presentation uh trite is the word i'm looking for yeah i guess trite you could say it's trite but it's more than that it's polished triteness it's artful uh kind of you know inveigling of the audience into this uh this vision uh and uh, i think that's the problem and the danger of people like obama and blair uh especially blair comes across with a slightly different kind of shtick and it's more about um well you know i i just kind of believe this to be true you know and 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 i guess it's 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 terribly important that you know i convey that and you you kind of believe me as well and and, and you know, i'm just a kind of simple humble guy just trying to make my way in the world and i just see these bad things and so i know we've got to go and like bomb these bad people you know i think that's blair's kind of vision of doing it whereas obama's much more kind of you know trying to be smooth with it you know and and kind of calming in some way so yeah a bit, uh, a bit of bit of hokum for the southern types maybe mm, what which yeah. southern types the kind of uh, i mean people in the south of america he's trying to come across as a bit folksy for them perhaps yeah maybe yeah i think it's a thing of yeah you know it's kind of you know taking us back to a, a, a sort of like a you know a kind of 50s kind of um era you know we're all just sitting there on the porch you know uh you know having a nice time in america and the, the sun you know the sun is shining and you know the kids are playing in the garden and we're all having a you know having some meat on the grill you know and it's all lovely and wonderful and fluffy and uh i think he's got some of that kind of boomer nostalgism that uh, they can easily kind of you know draw into a conversation to sort of give you the sense that it was all better before and uh, of course well before it was people like him in charge and people like w in charge and the whole neocon you know project so actually the past that they're alluding to is one that's further back in time and and and, and one that was you know on the cusp of that liberal change in the 50s you know the sort of classic you know sort of truman period of government you know that people are nostalgic about but it wasn't you know it was the beginning of that project but it wasn't something that i think he would actually feel that everybody else should have he feels he should probably have a you know big nice house and a nice arrangement with his family and having a great time but i think he thinks everybody else should live in a kind of multicultural hellhole <laughs> i think that's his project for everyone else yeah yeah um now i've got a little bit of news uh about well it's it's news that is simultaneously about a new show a mm. new theater show and also the end of western civilization i think yeah okay um you know the film elf with will ferrell yes i watched it once it was actually quite amusing oh now you've ruined the whole thing oh. i was going to say it's the end of western civilization because they've done elf the musical which you oh. can now go see this christmas in certain british arenas right elf, okay the, they've actually turned it into not just a theater show but with music as well yeah why, why not you, just turn it into a theater show you probably think this is a good thing don't you i don't know i mean you're probably going to go and see it it was a, it was it was. I mean, I mean, okay. I I I have tried to book tickets, but I mean, you know, that's just you know, 
I, I just wanted to sort of be in touch with the latest thing. No, I haven't. No, I'm not going to go and see Elf. I, I did think the film was kind of reasonably amusing. I remember somebody on Twitter was... We uh, talked about we, this a while ago, didn't we? Was it, was, it, was it you? Was saying like Somebody was saying that um, he should have got an Oscar for his performance in Elf as a comic performance. Um, I said he should have been shot. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It was so kind let, me of re- let me read this out. Elf, mm-hmm. the hit Hollywood blockbuster movie, has been supersized into a live arena spectacular for this Christmas with a massive Why? stage featuring amazing film backdrops on a huge LED screen, plus a mobile stage that travels the auditorium so everyone gets a close up view of the action. Oh dear. Uh, the presentation features Santa's flying sleigh, audience snowball fight, indoor snowstorm, a giant candy cane journey from the North Pole. Aerial Cirque stars and giant TV screens. You don't miss any of the spectacle. The story is hilariously recreated by a large cast of performances, uh, performers in the biggest live Christmas show in the UK. The festive spectacular will feature West End star Steve Serlin stepping into the big floppy shoes of Will Ferrell to play Buddy the Elf. Um, <laughs> the cast also features Blackpool and Butlins Resort's new comedy star Jordan Conway and a multitude of zany characters. Okay. Oh. It sounds Zany. absolutely awful. You... Yeah, it does sound pretty awful. Uh, people are saying in the chat, I should be playing the elf, maybe. But I, I, no, I wouldn't play the elf. I'd probably play Santa, because I think he's kind of like the compromised figure in it, isn't he? He's kind of, um, there's something, you know, I think you want to play the more mature role, the kind of, give it a bit of a King Lear or a Richard III kind of tilt, you know. And, uh, you know, there's, there's kind of a profoundly troubled man. I think I could do Santa. I don't think I'd be the elf. I think the, the I mean, and you can't, the problem is you do a film, you do a show, a stage show like that, and everybody's going to be comparing it with Will Ferrell because, I mean, he's a very good comic performer. But, yeah. uh, you know, I don't think, you know, you can try and pull off a part that's been done well like that. You should avoid those parts. Once they're done definitively, you should avoid them. You're very good at having excuses for why you're not going to audition. I may have asked the director if I could audition and, and begged him on my hands and knees. And, yeah, okay, but that's just the nature of being an actor. You're, a, you're essentially a whore of some kind. And, uh, you know, you could be a whore in little green tights in this why, show. Why, why were you on your hands and knees? I'm just saying, that, you know, I just cried and, and you know, sort of begged <laughs> you, to be allowed into the show. Or you were doing the traditional casting couch method of that's audition, it. were you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I offered myself to him, as, uh, as they say in Withnall and I. And, uh, and, and of course, we'll see how it goes. And if I uh, get the part, no, I won't be going for the part. Sorry. No, 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 no elf for me. And I, why do they have to make it into a musical? Just do it as a... Because, I mean, doing a play isn't exciting enough. Everything has to be a musical, doesn't it? You know, just keep the low attention span squad engaged. You have to sort of have everybody zinging and singing and prancing around. Well, you uh, can't have all these things swinging around and, you know, mobile stages zooming through the audience without music, can you? I that mean, just Nathan, weird. Nathan C.J. Hood in the chat says, the next RSC production, Zoolander. He's probably not far off, to be perfectly honest, you know, I have to say. You know, well, that would RSC. be good. I, I would go see that if they did Zoolander. I must admit, that probably would make quite a funny stage show, yeah. But, but, again, mm. wh- but again, why? Why, why not? Why, what about original stuff? Why do we have to keep sort of, uh, you know, raping the past and, uh, you know, pumping it uh, into life again? With, Who the hell uh, goes uh, to see original plays? Well, well, I, mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, most of them are pretty bad, aren't they? So, Well, that's true. A lot of them are pretty bad. That's the thing. No, but nobody thinks it's funny. I was watching, I put a clip up on Twitter the other week of Stephen Burkhoff talking about why young British actors were all so dreadful. Yes, and I yeah. yeah, I started watching other clips uh, where he was talking about some of his own work. And, you know, he did um, famously a play called East which was kind of like Cockney Shakespeare in a way. And he wrote it in this very heightened verse fashion. And I was thinking, yeah, you're never going to get people like that anymore who are doing something interesting with the form. 
uh, and and Burkhoff for me again, as I say, he's a bit of a monster, but you know, he he was always just interesting in what he did. And I don't think they would allow. I mean, as I said, when I was sort of involved vaguely uh, at the National Theatre years ago, they were kind of very resistant to having Burkhoff back because they said, "Yeah, he's a monster." And I said, "Yeah, but he's an interesting monster. Why don't you have him back?" Because I saw um, he did Salome, the Oscar Wilde play, back in the '90s, and it was really good. Um, and and some of his other stuff, I've I've really been interested in as well. So I just think they don't want that kind of. Um, a subversion i suppose you could say it is in theater that kind of artfulness that formalism of maybe like yeah that's that's an intriguing idea cockney shakespeare i mean you know even that in itself as the elevator pitch sort of grabs you in a way that like all these other plays that come in now like you say most original writing it's kind of worthy and hand-wringing and sentimental i mean there was that play jerusalem or something that was on bbc four a year or two ago and i kind of watched it and it was just kind of some middle-class woman moping about her garden um you know being vaguely sorrowful about something it was just nothing in it and i just thought there's nothing of the excitement and energy of the theater when properly done that is present in these new plays they're all kind of sort of requiems for for the lost you know ambition of, of frustrated middle-class people uh, and and they've just got nothing to do or say uh, in, in the uh, yeah in this world so yeah Burkhoff bring back Burkhoff that's the kind of BBB I can get behind but um that's not going to happen anytime soon yes okay what else have we got um mm. we've got well we've got something we we talked about months ago and is now in the news it's like we're so far ahead of things we can we can kind of see the ass of our competition because we sort of come up behind them again and we've lapped oh. them now so the media has now had some stories about um, face mask for cows and how Prince Charles is backing this idea. Okay. Face mask for cows to cut methane emissions from birds. Do you remember we did this a few months ago? I mean, I, don't, I vaguely remember face mask for cows. Did we do face mask for cows? We did sort of the face masks, did. which are was, like digital it, it, ones, aren't company, they? There was a company called Zelp. Right. Uh, it was part of a uh, design lab type competition and it got a bit of attention at the time, but not much, but I thought it was quite good to do. So these masks are really big. They're not just like a bit of cloth. They're like metal and plastic giant masks that you've got to put over cows' faces to stop them <laughs> producing what? methane. Yeah. Surely, surely you want like a, a cow sort of me methane capturing diaper or something. I mean, I thought wasn't the concern about cows' bottoms, you know, uh, originally? There is a concern about cows' bottoms, so maybe something will be done about that as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, possibly they could actually recycle the methane into some, like, you know, series of pipes and, and like, like garments for the cow to wear to keep it warm in the winter or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'll see if I can get up idea. on screen a picture of the... Uh, just tried to... Yeah. Open Firefox to show this and it's updating because I've, okay. I've turned off all, I like to turn off automatic updates on browsers. Yeah. I did it on Google, yeah. uh, on Google Chrome, and they really make it difficult to then update Google once you've well, this done is, that. This is the thing that like all technology now, it's like Apple, you know, with, um, I'm getting this on my email today, you know, Google is saying, oh, we're going to sort of, um, you know, they, we're introducing this uh, thing where we're going to cut off certain of your apps that you're using or certain programs because we're making our technology more secure. So they're wanting you to upgrade all of your systems, you know, to conform with whatever, you know, security authorization protocols they want to impose, you know, or it's like bloody Apple with their phones, you know, making them so you can't repair them anymore and you have to, you know, buy a new phone. It's all just kind of 
you know, cajoling you into their frame of uh, being their uh, digital slave in some way or another. What's this? Yeah, that's right. So this is the this one of the stories on Prince Charles. Okay. Uh, but now nothing's loading. No, it's the Daily Mail, isn't it? I can tell. It's the Daily Mail because that website is so s heavy with scripts of some kind running on one bit or another that the pictures Perhaps don't, I don't load. Have an ad I don't normally have this problem on, on Brave because uh, uh, I've got, got an ad blocker on. Working, but this, okay. should, uh, this, this is Express. Is it Express? Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, they're all just so, those pages for new. I mean, this is why I don't like to look at newspapers <sighs> now because they're all so overloaded with software that you just think, just show me a page with some stories and some pictures, and that's it. I don't need the sidebar of shame. Uh, I don't need like to wait for pictures that go round and round and round and never load. I yeah. don't normally have this problem. It's just something that sort of comes just when, it's, just it's, when you need to show pictures to your audience, it, it's, they disappear. It's, yeah, it's the day of uh, your technology all going wrong, folks. There you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's, let's forget that one then. Yeah, sorry. Right, <laughs> what else have we got? We, Better not go too long today because I know you've got to get off to London to see I, Mr. James Dellingpole. I'm going, indeed. I'm going to get on my motorbike and roar down the M1 towards London at top speed and uh, see if I can blag my way into his show. But, uh, you know, and, and speaking of theatre again, by the way, I'll be on uh, AA's channel in uh, a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, we're going to be doing a Deepest Law on the plays, the thing. It's going to be about us bringing our three favourite plays or three interesting plays. And we're going to be talking about stuff. And I'm going to be talking about a bit of Shakespeare and a bit of other stuff as well. So they might actually get to hear you talk this time instead of just well, I will, sitting there saying yeah. nothing. Yeah, I think the deepest law format's probably better for someone like me because I can't add a lot to things like your unpopular opinions because it's it's all kind of I think the people watching it really want a lot of hard factual stuff like like on Newsnight or something like that and to be honest I'm not going to supply an awful lot of that um, and um, especially on the geopolitics things and I guess we were all just very tired of talking about Ukraine um, but there was a good show in the last duo uh, covering Ukraine updates so you know that that format works very well when you come on loaded to the gunnels with and information and when you just uh, come on like me um, kind of hating the news at the moment it it's less less easy but deepest law is fun and I think it's going to be on the 16th of May we're going to be talking about plays and there are so I should be able to uh, yeah expostulate in an expansive fashion right uh, okay here's something about the French election let's talk a little bit about the French election um, not about whether it was rigged or not, because we can't really know about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, only an 18% margin. Yeah, here's an interesting fact, though. I mean, let's assume it, was, it wasn't it was rigged, or even if it was rigged. These, no, these, no. These, this result breakdown is, is still pretty interesting. Because mm. you look at the age the age range there, Most of, a lot of Macron's votes came from elderly people. So if you right. look at the 60 to 69 range, he won 70-30 there. And the 70 and over range, he won 72 to 28. So he's absolutely yeah. smashed it with the yeah. older people. Look at the younger people. The younger people mm. all went for Le Pen. The people up to 50, not even young, that young, people up to 50 yeah. went for Le Pen. Interesting. Uh, Macron slightly won the 50 to 59 range. Yeah. So you remember when all those Remainers were saying uh, mm. we can't wait for all the old people in Britain to die? Yeah. Because you know they're the ones. They're the ones who've taken us out of the EU. They're the ones holding us back. They're the ones who've done all these terrible things. We want them all to die. Yeah. In France, kind of the other way around. What's holding the EU together? What's What's holding 
mass things like mass immigration what's keeping that going is the old people the old boomers I, so boomer yeah. liberalism is really dying out though by the looks of it it looks like when that that generation dies and i'm not wishing they die unlike yeah. the remainers but yeah. boomer liberalism may die with them I guess so. I mean, unless there's been some sort of naughty jiggery pokery and the election has been heavily fortified. I mean, I do notice on those figures you're showing there, they've somewhat softened the margin. You know, the figures I was seeing previously was like 18 point points difference between Le Pen and Macron. And there it's just 10 points or 10 or 11 points. Um, so they're trying to sort of maybe de-accentuate the fact that it was very, it looked very obvious on the night that, you know, obviously the people were saying, well, the figures were doing a little bit of a, you know, bit of a dance routine on the night. And then all of a sudden it comes out with a sort of quite a whopping difference between them, which didn't seem plausible. And then you've got this picture, which is like the reverse of the Brexit picture, isn't it? You know, mm. all the kind of progressives are in the lower age brackets uh, and all of the kind of uh, crusty old reactionaries and the, uh, you know, um, sort of um, 55 and above. Uh, age brackets uh, and so but yeah as you say you're seeing the sort yeah. of devolution of I don't French... know if this is from the actual election or whether it's just from some polls or something but it's right the, the general idea is pretty clear though I mean I guess it, it, it sort of tallies with my idea of French boomer liberalism and and the way it's kind of you know devolving I guess into the sort of last gasps of of, of progressive dreams of the sort of 60s and 70s that uh, you know a lot of shishi middle-class French folks would have been very much enamored of and Macron represents the closest thing to that and there is this phenomenon in France of everybody kind of distilling their votes down to the guy you know who uh, against the guy you don't want to win and giving it to the incumbent so I guess that that is the nature of French reaction, isn't it? It's 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 that the uh, whatever they've done culturally has has diffused the sort of uh, radicalism that um, the French you used to be associated with in politics. It was always kind of radical leftism, really, wasn't it? It wasn't um, the kind of uh, sort of you know uh, conservative or nationalist bent that uh, Le Pen represents. But then. You know, she herself became distilled down to a sort of containment kind of conservatism. You know, what didn't she? I mean, Zamora had very interesting messaging, but then she kind of, you know, softened on hers and tried to move back to the centre, and uh, you know, lost out and 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 again became contained by whatever Macron is doing, whether it's you know employing Dominion voting machines to uh, fortify the election, or whether there was some big cultural. You know, propagandist move to um, you know unsettle the French electorate and and uh, frighten them against Le Pen. I don't know, but uh, it it does seem that yeah, there is there is change a coming in France if they can't keep that youth vote uh, satisfied. But if that youth vote don't have jobs and they're living in the banlieues and uh, things are going to be set on fire, then I think that's only going to get worse, and they're going to have to either clamp down harder with uh, their tinkering with the figures in elections or they're going to have to send the CRS out and crack more heads. But either way, I think it's going to end badly. Mm, yeah. Um, okay, I'm thinking we should probably wrap it up there for today. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? I can't think of anything else that uh, is worth noting other than to say to people, uh, go and buy Hector's book, The Face Mask Cult, and uh, purchase it instantly in fact purchase several copies and send them to people in your family who are bedwetters and um, try and enthuse them and uh, red pill them uh, red pill those normies and uh, see if you can get them to uh, just maybe sort of you know change you know, a little flicker of the needle on the dial towards uh, a slightly more sane appraisal of the reality as it is not as you want it to be 
Yes, thank you, Simon. Yeah. Um, just just to comment on Jason Ayers has just said it's surprising really that that um, those poll numbers because if you did a, that as a poll in the UK, you'd think it'd be the, be the other way around. That was my point um, about Brexit. Yeah. Yeah, Brexit. Yeah, I'm not, but. Le Pen's a different kettle of fish than Brexit. I mean, Brexit was was not seen as beyond the pale in the way that Le Pen is. Oh, I think it was. <laughs> I think it really was. I think for those who were against it, it was. Yeah, for those who were against it, but I'm not sure to the average person it was so much. Whereas if you ran, like, so if you had, say, Boris Johnson or Keir Starmer versus Tommy Robinson, you probably wouldn't see that different a result there. You would find that a lot of the... The, the boomer liberals would be massively um, in, in favour of the the establishment. Mm. Uh, okay, some proportion of the the lower middle class perhaps would would um, uh, might give you a different result. But I think in mm. in general, yeah, you know, some of the lower middle class might be keen on Tommy Tommy Robinson. But in general, the middle classes would be you know horrified at the idea of supporting Tommy Robinson. So they would support um, either Keir Starmer or Boris Johnson, even if they have the opposite, supposed opposite politics to them. So mm. I think you'd probably see something pretty similar in Britain. I wonder if it's maybe it's to do with quality of life in France, you know, because it's a bigger country, obviously, you know, people are more, uh, you know, the, you know, the people who live in uh, La France Profonde, you know, in the provinces, you know, maybe it's that, you know, as they age, perhaps they do feel a little bit more liberal about things because their, their lives perhaps are a better quality than the average, uh, you know, British pensioner who, um, you know, unless they've done well, could be suffering quite bleak and miserable conditions. Um, whereas should, in France, I suppose, no, it's a bit yeah, easier. We should also perhaps remember that uh, Le Pen wasn't just presenting herself as an anti-immigration candidate, but actually had quite socialist policies. Um, uh, so she was advocating, for example, no income tax for anyone under 30. Okay. And she was talking a lot about the the difficulties uh, in, in, you know, average people paying their bills and so on. So that's probably why she, some of the reason why she attracted some of the youth vote. She did seem to be taking their, their concerns about the cost of living seriously. Nathan C.J. Hood in the chat saying Le Pen ran on the cost of living crisis. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, we're going to find out about that very soon. I mean, soon. there is a cost of living crisis and they're starting to hit that. Well, there always was in Britain, but there certainly mm. is now. So anyone who wants to run as an anti-establishment candidate needs to run on that as well as, as anti-immigration. Absolutely. Yeah, that which unites us. Uh, the emptiness of our wallets, I think, is going to be a strong theme as we approach the autumn and the old power bills come in again. <laughs> That'll be fun. But uh, we shall wait and see because we'll all be distracted by the spring and the summer for the time being. And uh, the elites will be hunkering down with their wicked plans in their bunkers and uh, getting ready to unleash the next wave of misery upon us. But until then, it's, uh, it's all going swimmingly. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been saying for a while, I think we need to build some coalitions and I, I think we need to be building mm. some, some bridges with some of the sort of yep. people who are perhaps a bit more socialistically inclined in the past. Well, I think there's a lot of people from the, from the tradition of the intellectual left who I'm seeing who are... Um, I mean, it's like, you know, I suppose the classic example on YouTube is someone like the Sargons of the world who've come from a kind of... I mean, I sort of remember the time when he said he was on the left. And he's come through being a sort of you know, yeah, classical he's more of a liberal. liberal, classical liberal. I'm thinking not so much the classical liberals. I'm thinking more of the old style socialists who wanted well, redistribution of money. Well, I, I have I have friends who are old style socialists, and actually they're far more coming round to my point. They just they kind of they don't want to admit it. You know, they sort of keep you know kind of putting it off and saying, "Well, I'm no conservative, and I didn't like Mrs. Thatcher," and they do, but. 
and then they list a whole bunch of things that are miserable with the country yeah, and they're all right. kinds of the things that you think are miserable but, with the country. But we're, but we're also doing the same thing we're sort of coming around to their view a bit and not wanting to admit it yeah, I, I, I certainly admit that I think the idea of, you know, um, uh, promulgating the, the free market to the extent which it becomes taken up by the vast, you know, transnational corporates and used as justification to sort of ravage the economy. Uh, I think, yes, I will be a bit more sceptical about the free market next time. Definitely. I want the free market yeah. that serves the local butcher and, uh, yep. you know, the, uh, the, the local baker. That's fine. Uh, that free market's good. But uh, the free market which serves Tesco's and Amazon, I'll be a little bit more sceptical about. So maybe, yeah, we have to rein in that free market when it yes, comes we need to, to the rein, We need to rein in the billionaires and their power. Yes. So it's yes. funny because you've seen all these people suddenly saying, when Musk took over Twitter, saying, oh, my God, all the billionaires can just buy buy power and influence with their money. We should, we've got to stop them. And I, I tweeted out. But I agree. And I gave a list mm. of a whole bunch of leftist billionaires who I'd be yeah. happy to see defunded. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm all on board with getting taking money off the billionaires, not because I think it's going to solve the national debt or anything. It won't. Yeah. But just because I don't want them having so much influence. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I think we have to be a little bit more assertive. A government has to be a little clearer in what is good and what is bad and has to be a bit more assertive and not wifty wafty and vague and trying to sort of please all people at all times you know which was the sort of uh, the forte of mr blair who became the kind of uh, the poster boy for the conservative party ironically enough and uh, yeah we have to um, work out what things we actually value community cohesion you know families all those sorts of good things and uh, you know not the profit line for people like jeff bezos and uh, you know just saying yeah. just saying you know, not nothing mad, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, oops, I hate it when you're trying to put a comment up and then it just suddenly... And it jumps in the chat. jumps, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jason's saying, um, even if you just like Amazon, please review Hector's book there. It triggers the algorithm to show the book to more people. Yes, thank you, Jason. Um, okay, let's leave it there then. And um, you're going to interview some people at this event tonight, did you say? I'm, I'm toying with the idea of taking the recorder down and maybe sort of uh, getting a few Vox Pops off people. But part of me is also going, yeah, I just know that when I get there, it'll be kind of so chaotic. It's like going on the protests, you know, last year. I was doing, thinking of doing the same thing there. And when you get there, the whole thing is just so mad and all over the shop that you just you never find a way to do it or time to do it. I'm toying with it. I might do, might not do. We shall see. Okay. All right, well, we'll see you next Friday then. Indeed, Thanks for tuning in today. Bye-bye. Ciao for now.